welcome to episode number 14 of the Foodie Flashback, the podcast where we talk about food, food-related memories, and just everything that goes with that. My guest today, I'm very excited about because I know that uh, he, he lives in the food country right now, <laughs> at least according to the French. <laughs> um, Alistair, how are you doing? Uh, well, I'm doing very fine. Uh, I also live in the south of France, so yeah, the food is supposed to be slightly different here. Well, very different, of course. Totally. Uh, and um, I, I live in the region uh, known, currently known as Occitanie, mm-hmm. used to be known as Languedoc-Roussillon. Uh, so it, it, it's become more famous in the past, I don't know, 10, 20 years for its wines before it was all considered Blanc. Yep. Um, but now it's it's quite famous for that. Um and also, they're, they're trying to uh, improve the reputation of their rosé wine. So rosé <laughs> is, uh, it's its not uncool to drink rosé, especially in the summer, obviously, no, and absolutely even if you're not. a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. It's its the home of rosé in France, is nice. this area. No, I mean, for, for me, the area is known for really good food. Like, I, I would say... It's probably among the like top one or two, like the top two, top three places I've had food at that like in the world. Oh, good, everywhere. Mm. Like really amazing food I've had there. I mean, it it always helps. Like you said, wine. Like it always helps to go with someone local who knows where the the good places are, uh, especially in like a more touristy area. But uh, yeah, the food is was phenomenal. Like. It was mm. really crazy. So, as I said, like I think there is something to that that whole like French food and f- the French cuisine being kind of the the best of the best of the world. I think there's there's some truth to that. I mean, it doesn't mean there's no good food in, the, in anywhere else. Uh, I mean, <laughs> some people might. Yeah, the, be- jo- the joke the joke with French food is always that um, everyone uh, it's all sauces, <laughs> whatever it is. You have a sauce. But mm-hmm. that's that's not really a sudden necessarily a sudden thing. That's no. that's talking of great chefs in Paris and so on. But. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I mean, you're originally not from France. I mean, as people might might have guessed based on your accent, <laughs> or not not having an accent. Yeah. I have a, I have a strange accent picked up from moving around a bit and also trying to sound clear when I speak in public. <laughs> uh, so I was brought up in Leeds in Yorkshire. Oh, yeah. West Yorkshire, to be specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was born down in Kent. Born down in Kent. So, uh, I mean, that begs the question, did you grow up with Yorkshire puddings? Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I moved up to I moved up to Leeds when I was six. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't really count before. But yeah, um, you know, Yorkshire pud. In fact, there's, um, uh, if in the center of Leeds, I, I think they still do this. There are certain pubs you can go to. Used to go to one after uh, Sixth Form College called The Ship. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just off Brigitte. If anyone's in Leeds, uh, do tell me <laughs> if it's still there. Uh, and in the evenings, you could go in and you know you order your pint and you say, "And can I have the Yorkshire pudding with onion gravy?" And literally, it was a big plate with a gigantic Yorkshire pudding. It was probably mm-hmm. about ten inches across, yeah, uh, with onion gravy on top. And uh, that mm-hmm. was just you know a nice kind of snack meal, and it was very cheap. <laughs> Um, snack <laughs> enjoy that and he's, he's probably now thinking about his vegetarian as well so uh, probably yeah. <laughs> or whatever they put in the gravy i don't know but onion gravy one assumes there's not mm. many uh many cows in it yeah well i mean depends on what they used for the stock oh probably. the other thing <laughs> the other thing that there used to be a pub around the back of the uh, the town hall mm-hmm. in leeds 
known as the Victoria. It used to be famous for having the longest bar in any pub mm-hmm. in, well, in any pub around the back of uh, the town hall, probably. Uh, but it was a long bar. And they would serve the other great traditional dish, which was uh, pork pie with mushy peas. Mm-hmm. So pork pie in a crust, obviously, um, short crust pastry, uh, and smothered in mushy peas. Now, mushy peas is just one of the most marvellous things ever oh, invented. Totally. <laughs> uh, and it, it's also something uh, very... Again, it, go ahead. Yeah, go on. No, it's, it's also something very, very British. I mean, if, if people like around the world, if they ask you about... I mean, there's bangers and mesh and there's mushy peas. Like the, the, those are the two yeah. things that come up if you ever talk about anything British. Oh, but bangers and mash is boring. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> no, it, was the, it, was a, it was a great little thing you could do. So I'd you know, do a morning of whatever, sixth form college, and then uh, I was retaking my A-levels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I'd go down to this, you know, walk down to the Victoria, and I'd say, right, half a pint of mild. So that's uh, that's tetley mild. Mm-hmm. Half a pint of that. And... Um, um, the uh you know the, i'll have my mushy peas and my pork pie uh, and i'll get both for a quid for one pound wow and <laughs> it would be served in a bowl mm-hmm. so a little bowl with this, with this pie and mushy peas on and um the cutlery would be a spoon so no <laughs> knife and fork nothing yeah, else just one <laughs> spoon that's it so you would just kind of eat the whole thing with a spoon mm-hmm. uh, and my half a pint and that was one pound that's Brilliant. That is that is that is super cheap. I mean, if you think well, about it, well, it was it was right at the beginning of the nineteen eighties. So but still, even from that time, a year's salary in those days, surely, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably not. Um, so let's go back a little bit further. Like, what are the first things you remember, like cooking wise, or like first dishes you remember as a kid? Well, I have to say my mum was never interested in cooking mm-hmm. uh, and being brought up, you know, as a child of the late 60s, 70s, was an awful lot of stuff served in plastic and out mm-hmm. of tins because yeah. it was the it was just the normal thing you did. Yeah. Um, but my dad uh, liked, I don't know if he enjoyed the act of cooking, but he liked to, to know that he'd cooked. So mm-hmm. the memorable meals were ones that he cooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can you name any? And like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the the two favourites that stuck in my mind. One is braised beef, mm-hmm. and it's a slow cooked beef. Yeah. Uh, so literally, uh, you'd spend all day cooking it, mm-hmm. and then making a very, 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 very thick gravy from it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and if it was a well chosen joint, so he'd choose it at the, at the butchers properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'd be no fat in it, and I never like. Oh, I could you know even when I still ate meat. I could mm-hmm. never stand fat, you know, gut, mm-hmm. stringy bits of chewy <laughs> stuff that would, you know, at least you can separate chewing gum. You can't separate fat in meat. It's horrible. Yeah. Uh, so it always seemed very lean. It was very well mm-hmm. cooked. And it was, it, you know, if you like well-cooked stuff, you know, uh, you know, meat and fish that falls apart mm-hmm. on your fork, you know, how it's really, really tender, very, very nice. Yeah. So he would serve that braised beef with a very thick, very dark gravy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he put bovril in it or something. Uh, uh, with mashed mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. of course, works very well. It's almost like a goulash, then, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then, um, but he, he would slice it very, very, very thin. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, almost paper thin. So yeah. that was part of it, mm-hmm. you know, with, with something green, usually peas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I always like that. I always look forward to that. And you could smell it and know he was about to mm-hmm. cook it. So, uh yeah, especially, I mean, it cooks all day, so, like, you would smell it all day, and by the time it's ready, I mean, especially as a kid, you would be like, 
I mean, you would probably ask every like 15 minutes when it's ready because you're you're yeah. so excited about it, right? Yeah. I mean, we never had a slow cooker or anything mm -hmm. like that. You, you would just do it on the hob as yeah. normal, electric hob. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that he would make, again, very, very tender is pork fillet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pork fillet, you know, you if ever you've bought pork fillet, you know, it just turns it as one enormous tube yep. and you try not to think where it came from. <laughs> uh, but it's just, you think, where did that come from? How did they make it tubular? <laughs> uh, and you have to kind of put, there is a, a, a long, thin, kind of sinewy, fat thing yep. that goes right down the middle. And mm -hmm. actually, if you cut the top, and you can tear it out in one yeah, go exactly. if you do it properly. Uh, and then what you would do is he'd slice it up into not terribly thin medallions. Mm-hmm. And then he'd leave that to cook very, very slowly. And yeah. th that was very tender and virtually mm -hmm. fat free. Uh, and that would be in a, you know, a tomato and onion sauce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, so it's, it's really easy to do. I used to make that for the kids a lot um, myself. Mm -hmm. Whereas braised beef, that's, I did try it once and it was too much work yeah. and I got bored. <laughs> it gravy, is. Right? And yeah, it, it is. It wasn't the same as how my dad made it. And, you know, mm. but well, pork fillet's easy. Yeah, I mean, th I think that's in general a thing. I mean, one, like the type of like braised beef or, I mean, slow cooker is coming back a little bit, but I think this type of dish, like braised beef, like with a really heavy gravy with, as you said, mashed potatoes, that's kind of a dish of a certain time. And it's not very, I mean, for you especially, we'll talk to about that later, but it's not a very modern dish anymore. Like maybe it has a little bit of a comeback here and there, but it's, it's not something you would consider it would see today and i think that's yeah. that kind of speaks for that um so your mom didn't like cooking did she cook at all i mean you see it you said like tv dinner basically like reheating stuff in, in plastic <laughs> uh did she yeah, ever I mean, cook I, 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 or I, bake it'd be awful if, if she used to make something and i've completely forgotten but mm -hmm. it would always be uh, you know fish fingers mm -hmm. Uh, or, or something like that. Um, so it would be convenience food, mm -hmm. uh, the convenience, obviously, for her. Yeah. And, um, you know, and kids love that. That's, that's sure. not a problem. <laughs> but it, it all tends to be very, very dry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and when you're a kid in those days, you know, you come back from school and you, you're probably having dinner as early as five o'clock if yep. you're British. Yeah. Uh, your tea, as it were. <laughs> and, you know, you might get, you know, they talk about supper. We didn't have supper. You, you might mm. get, you know, I mean, at a, chocolate. At that point, I mean, on. you were probably going to bed at eight or something. So yeah, it kind of yeah. makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> dinner dinner takes like an hour with kids. Sometimes yeah. an hour and a half. The kind of things, <laughs> the, kind of th the kind of things my mum would make would be more um, sweet dishes, if mm -hmm. anything, and it would be the easy stuff like eggy bread, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, I can't think of anything. Did she you know, off the top of my head that she actually kind of made her own? I mean, she was the kind of, you know, mother who would make jam, mm -hmm. you know, and then make 500 jars of it, you know, and never mm. do it again for another 10 years. Or, <laughs> God, uh, she had this thing. She really liked um, uh, lemon meringue pie. Mm -hmm. uh, and she would make that from time to time. And lemon meringue pie, if you don't like lemon meringue pie, I mean, I like meringue and I like lemons, <laughs> <laughs> but lemon meringue pie makes me want to gag. Mm -hmm. uh, and having the whole house smell of that, I actually, even mm -hmm. as a child, I would actually have to go and stand outside. I couldn't take it. Oh. <laughs> but then she's used to stuff that stinks because she's she was a Scot. 
mm-hmm. uh, of the McLeod of the McLeod clan. I, I point that out because her middle name, her father actually named her after the clan, mm-hmm. so her middle name is McLeod. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, uh, and she would uh, occasionally make haggis. And mm-hmm. haggis, you either love or you hate. And I'm afraid I'm I'm not a fan. It mm-hmm. it stinks. <laughs> it does. Uh, and again, that was another kind of excuse to leave the house and mm-hmm. stand in the rain outside. <laughs> haggis is going on awful stuff. Oh, I did think my dad. He did make one convenience food, mm-hmm. uh, and he uh, he used to call it mince and screws. Mints and screws. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I went to a certain type of school where you had to actually go to school on a Saturday morning as well mm-hmm. as the weekdays, uh, and always look forward to mints and screws on Saturday lunchtime coming home. And what mm-hmm. it was was it was mints and pasta. The screws were oh, um, this, like uh, what is it called? Not fusilli. Uh, I've forgotten what they're called, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was you know, screw form pasta. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I've forgotten the name of it. Was anyway, it? Uh, I think it was fusilli. I think you're right. Yeah, it's fusilli's arm. That's the other one. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. but what he'd do is for the sauce, he couldn't be bothered making. You know, this was mm-hmm. convenience food for everyone. Mm-hmm. So he would just uh, he would fry the um, he would uh, he fry onions, put in uh, then fry the uh, the mince, and mm-hmm. then he just pour in a, a, a tin of baked beans in tomato sauce. You know, your mm-hmm. classic mm-hmm. Heinz baked beans that you get in Britain. Mm-hmm. He would just pour a tin of that in. That was the sauce. And it's just great. Yeah. It's just perfect. I mean, why not? I used to love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, but simple. That was, he, he, would, yeah. he would never do anything simpler than that, but I mm-hmm. thought that was a good one. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, I mean, it actually uh, sounds sounds not too bad. I mean, yeah. I would say like, it's okay. I'll, I'll, pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say the one. Th- sorry, I was going to say the one thing my mum did do was just before I left home to go to university, mm-hmm. she got me uh, a cookbook. I mean, she did the right thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Right, you need to be able to do these things." So she mm-hmm. showed me how the washing machine works, you know. Mm-hmm. Shows me how the Hoover works, and she said, "Right, here's how you, uh, you know, here's how you make an omelette, mm-hmm. and here's <laughs> here's how you uh, heat up a, a tin of something." And, mm-hmm. Another great fashionable thing in the late 70s and early 80s was um, dried foods, you know, boiling a bag rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We used to call them that. There's a brand name, Vesta. You mm-hmm. used to have these Vesta meals. I think mm-hmm. walkers and hikers used to like them because you could just mm-hmm. see, stick them in water on a pot and then yeah. and it would make up some sort of chewy <laughs> curry or something. So she showed me how to make some of those and how yeah. to fry some, you know, some uh savory pancakes so mm-hmm. i was kind of equipped of how mm-hmm. to make some basics when i yeah. when i left home but my dad never showed me but i worked it out later mm-hmm. but i mean that that also means that your mom like had at least the basic skills to, to show you that right I mean, oh yeah 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 she like just it, didn't like cooking yeah i mean which which is fine i mean it did like how how big was your family was it just you like do you have multiple siblings i have i have two older brothers mm-hmm. yeah so that's a reasonable big family already like at least by my standards uh, it's not okay. it's not the 10 people that that i know other people like um, i had this uh, the podcast with tom ferry from 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 california and he was i think the youngest of 10 or something or very close to that right. at least so yeah but i mean that that probably plays into the whole convenience thing i mean you're you're busy with like yeah <laughs> dealing with all well, the, my, my uh, yeah. yeah my mother was one of eight so she she had uh, eight brothers and sisters. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe 
she was relied on to do a lot at home. And then she mm-hmm. thought, right, I've grown up now. I'm not doing all that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is very com- uh, very common. I mean, I, I know that from my mom. I mean, I was born in the 80s, so <laughs> it's kind of after that. But um, she, yeah, it was the same thing. I mean, she could cook. She she actually was a very, very good baker. But she, like, I think that's something from, like, the time, especially, that she just didn't want to do it. Like it's, mm. I mean, to this day, she cooks and she cooks well, but she just doesn't enjoy it. And the second she can get out of it, out of it, she she will. Um, yeah, it's. I think, yeah, maybe maybe a generational thing as well, or maybe just. I mean, some people just don't enjoy it, and it's fine. Like it's totally okay. Um, I mean, it sounds like your your dad picked picked up the the cooking. Um, so did you cook with your dad or was it more your dad no. cooking alone? So it's not no, he'd always do it on his own. He mm-hmm. never asked for any help and I didn't mm-hmm. think he'd want any. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> no, he was... And you never tried like to just be in the kitchen when he was there and like whatever, try to help? No. No, you were... So. No. <laughs> you were no, busy no, doing other things and he was probably happy that you weren't there. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, he would like to, you know... In the summer, he would like to mm-hmm. prepare mm-hmm. the fruit salad or something, mm-hmm. which is which again is quite odd in the 1970s to prepare a fruit salad uh, because fruit salad is would normally be eaten, you know, from the tin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> in Britain in the 70s. In yeah, fact, it's in an episode of in an episode of um, of Faulty Towers. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Someone, uh, you know, someone says, "Oh, you know, uh, actually, no, I don't want to. You know, I don't want my fruit salad." He goes, "Chef's already opened the tin." <laughs> yeah. You know, that is the 1970s. But mm-hmm. my dad would buy. You know, mm-hmm. he would get the fruit, the various mm-hmm. fruit, and chop it up and, mm-hmm. and make the salad properly. So, yeah. Did your brothers uh, cook at all? Like, was that something that maybe was definitely. more done with them? Uh, when they were older, definitely. Mm-hmm. But most, my eldest brother actually. Um, he went into catering, oh, okay. so he uh, he didn't he wasn't suckered into going to university like the mm-hmm. rest of us. He thought I'll I'll go and get a proper job and mm-hmm. live a real life. Uh, so he went into catering, you know, mm-hmm. fully qualified the whole thing. Uh, worked in hotels as you know, doing all sorts of stuff and chef and worked for a catering company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he did that for many many years. Um, so he really knew his stuff. Yeah. Um, you know the the flavors and the looks and everything, mm-hmm. and how to separate the flavors from the looks. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he, I mean he would to volunteer cooking down at the uh, for the Salvation Army, mm-hmm. and he was mm-hmm. saying there was an occasion where they had a whole load of blind people in, mm-hmm. and someone had dropped some food coloring into potatoes, so all the potatoes were bright green. He says, "Don't worry, they will." It's for the blind. They won't notice. It will taste fine. Yeah, so. <laughs> okay. That's very interesting. Did, oh, but you... as, a, as an add-on to that, mm-hmm. uh, one point in his life he thought, bored with catering. Mm-hmm. He just gave that up completely. He's now an IT manager. <laughs> as, as people do that, yeah. My dad did that kind of. <laughs> yeah. um, did, like, do you remember, did they cook like while you were younger or is that also like no. kind of with you like once they moved out they started getting interested in it and picking things up it was after they moved out i mean mm-hmm. my middle brother who did like me went to university and did all mm-hmm. that stuff and he he used to cook you know student food mm-hmm. so it'd be a, a, a tin of beans with um a packet of crisps that mm-hmm. were on top yep uh, so i think proper proper cooking and everything came a bit later for mm-hmm. him mm-hmm 
compared with my oldest brother. My oldest brother, literally, he was once he left home, that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would come back, you know, occasionally, and he'd say, "Right, uh, who's for Chinese?" And you go, "Yeah," and he would cook the Chinese meal, Ooh, the wow. whole thing. Mm-hmm. So he'd buy all the ingredients from mm-hmm. a cash and carry, and um, and make fun. everything fresh, mm-hmm. you know, including the crispy noodles and mm-hmm. crackers and everything. That sounds amazing. You'd probably sit there writing all the all the uh, mottos inside the crackers, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. But you, Help, I'm stuck. Time. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, like, were your grandparents any influence on, on you, like, being interested in food? Or, like, did you cook with them? Uh, no, my my father's parents already dead before mm-hmm. I can remember either, anything. Mm-hmm. And my, sorry, I got the wrong way around, my mother's parents were already dead Mm -hmm. by the time I became self-aware and my father's parents, well, it was complicated, but they didn't do any special cooking. Mm -hmm. They were, they were from uh, Manchester and uh, my grandfather couldn't do anything. He had Mm -hmm. Parkinson's. So he he picked Mm -hmm. up uh, after a bomb hit the house during the war. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was all kind of desperate food, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) desperate Northern food (laughs) from from a couple that lived through the war. And I Mm -hmm. know I did the only thing I liked about visiting my grandparents for food was uh, since I didn't know what to do for breakfast, they just used to buy those Kellogg's packs of, you know, mini packets of cereal. I Mm -hmm. can't remember what they called them, Uh, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll get those, you know, we'll get sugar stars and frosties and all that crap. We're not allowed to have at home. (laughs) Other than that, hated eating there. Mm -hmm. House near Blackpool. So, that kind of begs the question, like, when did you, right, when do you remember getting at all interested in food or in cooking? Or did, like, did you ever? Uh, well, I, I did try when I was at university. So mm-hmm. after a year of eating dried food and crispy pancakes and, mm-hmm. and crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a guy in, um, so I was in halls of residence, but we had a room each. So it wasn't that old fashioned, the mm-hmm. keel. Uh, but in our block, we had one guy from a year above. And what he used to do is every Sunday, he and all his mates would chip in and and then he'd make a Sunday dinner. So mm-hmm. Sunday roast, the whole thing, you couldn't get anywhere else. We're all eating crappy food. Mm-hmm. And they would have this meal, this Sunday meal that would take a day to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it didn't cost them any more. And it just got me interested thinking, well, yeah, you can do stuff. And it was all cooked, you know, in the in the you know, minimalist kitchen mm-hmm. that the halls had. And, yeah. and um, it did get me interested, but, you know, we did try and do that a bit with some of, you know, with, with our mates as well, but, mm. you know, it's, someone has to actually do it. Yeah. It's not and, that much of a group effort. Yeah. And I mean, uh, and I think, yeah, I was going to say when, um, by the time I actually moved into a flat with three friends, mm-hmm. and of course we were forced to cook together and to mm-hmm. save mm-hmm. money. Um I, I kind of found that everyone was prepared to cook, but they didn't like it. And I must admit, <laughs> none of us liked what they cooked anyway, including them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, well, I'll make an extra special effort mm-hmm. on my on my day, on day four. Mm-hmm. You said that I'll try to do something different. So that's mm-hmm. when, you're, as a student, you discover there are other there are vegetables for a start. You Ooh. discover them. <laughs> you actually discover that you know uh, mm-hmm. uh, cauliflower cheese is mm-hmm. a, is a meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but then it's only later on you discover, yeah, but cauliflower and cheese isn't enough to be an interesting bill. You have to put broccoli <laughs> in and stuff. Uh, but that's that's something else. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I 
I toyed with vegetarianism. And that, mm-hmm. of course, that forces you to think about what you buy and mm-hmm. how it's cooked and how yeah. it's prepared. Yeah. And I although mean, um, pe- I was going to say vegetarianism, people have lost this now. But at the time, back in the 80s, vegetarianism, and I'm not talking about veganism, just simple vegetarianism, extended throughout the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just what you cooked. You had you were expected to keep completely separate set of kitchen utensils mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the meat from sorry from the vegetarian food stuff yeah because i don't think anyone cares anymore i mean if you go to a restaurant they really some don't people care. do but well, yeah <laughs> they'll tell you they do um but uh but you know and that it forces you to think so i bought mm-hmm. vegetarian cookbooks for a while mm-hmm. anyway they lasted for a year or two and then i just thought you know, it was really just to attract interest to some uh, foxy looking girls at mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. i think that's probably what it was so mm-hmm. i elapsed uh, and only mm-hmm. came back to vegetarianism uh, much later mm-hmm I mean, part of the problem probably was for you, like for all of you that you didn't have any skills. I mean, you can cook some amazing meals for very little money with very little time if you're like if you have the the skills to do it and if you have experience to do it. But like as a student, especially if you haven't really cooked at home, I mean, other than with your mom, basically, <laughs> the, the the few things that she showed to you. Um, you're lacking the skills. Well, at, the at, the, at the time, at the time, uh, there was a journalist. Oh, I'm trying to remember her name. It was a journalist who wrote this famous book called The Student Cookbook. Mm-hmm. Heard oh, about that one. What's, oh, I've met her as well, and I forgot her name. Uh, but um, but anyway, she she wrote this. She just gathered together some simple recipes for students to, you know, proper food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, the idea was for a student cookbook is to have a uh, you know, a certain amount of money per dish. So mm-hmm. in those days, it would have been like 30 pence, if possible, 50p maximum. Uh, and, you know, have a bit of everything. So, yeah, of course, it could be done. But it's until you're actually forced to live on your own and do that, mm-hmm. you want to get through university without catching scurvy, uh, you're, you're forced to really think about what you're going to eat. Yeah, it's, I mean... It's kind of something that yeah you have to you have to do. I'm just trying to find who that author was. But oh damn! Yeah, we'll, we'll, wife I'll, remember. we'll find it and put it in the show notes. Let's put it. Let's yeah, make yeah. It, it's fine. Mm, um, but it it, it has it has come up already from other other people in the UK. I think it's it's a very like seems to be a very influential thing. Like I think Howard brought it up uh, as well that she got that. Um, yeah, we'll we'll look it up and put it put a link in. Um, but I think, I mean, that's for a lot of students. I mean, either they're, well, nowadays you can just order food and get it delivered. That's kind of, I mean, if you have the money for it. Um, but I think in general, like for a lot of people, it, yeah, it, uh, as a student, that's how you start. Like you might have gotten that one or two, like one or two cookbooks from your parents, maybe, or from your grandparents or aunts and uncles or someone. Um, tell, like, <laughs> so you can somehow survive. Um, and you're trying to yeah, figure out what, like, what's even interesting. I mean, you know the stuff that your your parents cook, but like, I mean, one, can you afford them, and two, are they even interesting to you? Like, what's what's your thing? Um, so I, I, it's probably also not uncommon. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, yeah, it was probably to attract foxy ladies, um, but experimenting also with like, what am I even interested in, like what like maybe i'm like maybe i'm i'm a vegetarian because i don't know i like it um or i mean you get also like especially at universities you get exposed to so many different cultures and groups and so on and um it's like usually depends on the university but usually very liberal area 
or your li very liberal time. So like those ideas of saving the planet and like not eating meat and so on, just, they just come up and like, it, it's, I think it's maybe even part of the experience to say, let's try it. Let's see whether I like it or whether I'm like, whether, whether I can follow it really. Um, and then a lot of people drop off at one point or another. But you did come back, right? I mean, you said nowadays you're you're living vegetarian, so yeah. How did that well, happen? Uh, this, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> my wife, um, she uh, she's she doesn't like cooking either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she'll do she'll do so many things, but cooking's not she's not a big fan. Um, she finds it terribly boring. Mm -hmm. uh, so at a certain point, she says, "I really can't stand cooking anymore." You know. So I said, well, I'll, I'll cook, you know, because we had two kids by then. And, uh, yeah, I'll do some more cooking. So I took over the cooking. And, of course, you, you do look for quick things, partly for convenience, but partly because there's no point making something elaborate because children won't eat it. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you do fall into that trap of uh, meat to veg, meat to veg, meat mm -hmm. to veg, over and over and over again. Or soup. Soup's yep. the easy thing with children because to, to get yep. to eat anything with vitamins in. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, God, I eat food. <laughs> food's, cr food's crap. I mean, mm -hmm. food's boring, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, around this time, um, she spent four years studying to be a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. So she became a yoga teacher. And for her, it just hit her one day from one day to the next. She's, you know, she was served because she's French. Mm -hmm. So one of our trips down to stay with her parents. So you... I have to say, the first time we stayed with her parents, you know, they served, you know, served dinner, and it was this massive, massive, mm -hmm. multicolored uh, salad. I mean, it's just the most amazing thing. They were all really yep. hot. They were thinking, this is the best meal I've ever had. I hadn't realized it wasn't just the starter, but it was the first starter. Yep. <laughs> so I'd be stuffing myself with all this and loads of bread. And it, but, you know, that was just the first. And there was a yeah, the second first starter. First of many courses. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and of course I, I hadn't realised then. I find it quite cute mm -hmm. now, but you know, in in certain parts of the south of France and and elsewhere in France, mm -hmm. uh, it is actually permissible to serve parts of what you would normally get in one plate mm -hmm. as separate dishes. Yep. So you, you get a dish with just a big pile of uh, mm -hmm. green beans, and you you go, hang on, where, where's the meat? You go, no, yeah. no, you, that that's one of the dishes mm -hmm. you're going to have. You'll get to the meat. Don't don't panic. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just a plate of yeah. green beans. You go, I oh, great, okay. I think that's in general a Southern European thing. You see that in Italy a lot, where like I mean, you get like you get like a little dish oh, with well, pasta, and you're like, oh, this is the main, like the main course. No, it's not. Like it's just oh, one that, of many. <laughs> that that'll explain it again because uh, her family. So my mother-in-law is from uh, Italian and Sicilian mm -hmm. descent. Okay, yeah. That's... So they're a, they're a complicated family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. So my father-in-law is from uh, Spanish descent. Mm -hmm. And neither of them were born in France or Spain <laughs> or Italy. They, they kind of just went up the coast and met there. <laughs> like, that's what it looks so like. So if anyone knows anything of world history mm -hmm. or indeed uh, French <laughs> uh, history of empire, mm -hmm. um, they were from Algeria. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. So their great grandparents, or my whatever, great grandparents would have been settlers, mm -hmm. you know, uh, invited to help settle Algeria by mm -hmm. whoever, Napoleon, Napoleon III, I can't remember, mm -hmm. um, in, in the mid uh, 19th century. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were born in Algeria. So it was a bit, their food's always been a bit of a mishmash of 
mm-hmm. bit of Spanish, bit of Italian, and a lot of North African. So mm-hmm. you'd have couscous every week, yeah. sometimes twice Why a week. Why not? <laughs> even after you've had it twice a week, my father-in-law would say, is there any couscous left? You know? <laughs> it is amazing. Uh, by the way, I looked up the book. I think it's Fiona Beckett. Yeah. That, that looks about I right. I think so too. Yeah, at least it looks yeah. very old, so it's probably the right one. Yes. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, uh, do you know, you asked me a question. I started going on about my parents-in-law, and I was going to say, I can't remember what the question was. Does it <laughs> no, no, it doesn't oh, matter. I've been Alistair. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Um, I, oh, yeah, I, we'll talk about vegetarianism. Mm-hmm. That was it. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, she just one day to the next, she was being served, I don't know, something typical down at her parents, like mm-hmm. uh, pig's trotters. Mm-hmm with the trotters still on them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and she just thought, oh, I can't eat this, mm-hmm. you know, just, I mean, uh, you know, you don't really think too much about an animal. If someone serves you tongue, yeah. so tongue is something you, you, I used to get served as, you know, at primary school, tongue. Mm-hmm. And you go, it's not really tongue, is it? These thin slices of spongy meat. <laughs> yes, don't it is. think about it. Yeah. No, if if it was called that, if, if they'd given it any other name, I wouldn't have minded, but they called it what it was. Mm-hmm. So you try and disassociate yourself from where it came from, how it yep. was killed. You know, you convince yourself when you're eating lamb, you're actually eating sheep. Mm-hmm. But you're not. You're eating no. lamb. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, so it was, uh, you know, she, these pig's trotters, they look like pig's trotters, you know. Mm-hmm. So she's mm-hmm. got, I can't, I can't eat this. Sorry. Really sorry. Can I have some more green beans, please? Mm-hmm. Uh, and literally one day to the next, she stopped um, eating meat. Mm-hmm. So then I found, I was going, okay, so I'm doing the cooking. So I'll cook something that I know my kids will eat, but I find boring. Then I'll mm-hmm. make sure I've cooked something that I can eat, which isn't boring, mm-hmm. uh, or, and make sure I have a vegetarian something for my yeah. for my wife as well. Anyway, that didn't last too long. It was like, yeah, was like you're cooking for the Jack Spratt family, you know. <laughs> uh, so uh, I thought, well, you know, I could simplify it if I cook something for the kids, which is really boring, mm-hmm. but they will eat, uh, and something for my wife and myself, which yeah. is vegetarian. Yeah, instead of three dishes. I really discovered the joy. Well, yeah, uh-huh. basically. So, mm-hmm. two, you know, two things for the kids, mm-hmm. two for us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it became less less of a challenge. And I, mm-hmm. uh, I, I try and cook something completely different every day. Yeah, and I think that's that's the fun thing. I mean, if you're into cooking and you're like, I mean, you said, like certain things are boring because you've done them so many times, even if your kids love them. Uh, you've done them too many times so challenging yourself and saying okay i'm gonna go vegetarian what can i do like what what are the options like because most people don't think about it like they have the like as you said the meat and two veg or the the braised beef or whatever like the 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 spaghetti and 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 like ground meat ground beef sauce like you have those like those things ingrained in you and then you like all of a sudden thrown into a world where you don't know what to do. I mean, yeah, you could probably just do like green beans and be done with it, but like, let's make something interesting. Let's figure out yeah, like, well, no what meat we can eater do. would quite do that, but uh, mm-hmm. what most people do it to begin with is find a meat substitute. And I did the same thing mm-hmm. for a while. So you start buying that stuff, corn. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's whatever, it's kind of, mushroom based or something isn't it mm, but it, it's yeah. meat substitutes either mince or yeah there are multiple corn pieces yeah there's there's soy uh, a lot yeah all those substitutes yeah so you, yeah you're having effectively the same as meat and two mm-hmm. veg so mm-hmm. it probably gets you started in that sense but mm-hmm. uh, you know i find that old meat and two veg so so boring i just mm-hmm. can't stand it, especially Agreed. the veg because the veg is just boring but mm-hmm. i mean for me i have to say the worst food 
I've ever eaten anywhere, mm-hmm. every time is in the States. <laughs> I mean, desserts, the desserts are great. Okay. They, mm-hmm. they, they know how to make dessert. Okay. But mm-hmm. generally food, I mean, it's, I cannot it's so, <laughs> so bland. Yeah. I've so had, they'll do something yeah. amazing. They'll do amazing stuff with meat, but if mm-hmm. you don't eat the meat, Mm-hmm. And you concentrate on the veg. The veg is nearly always just chopped up into little little cubes and then uh, boiled. Mm-hmm. So it, it boils all the flavour out, which they mm-hmm. then throw away and just give you these stupid little cubes or something. Mm-hmm. And you go, it doesn't taste of anything. You know, yeah. you just put loads of salt on to try and, <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. So anyway, this this meat and two veg stuff I can't do. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so the next thing you do is buy a vegetarian cookbook, which mm-hmm. doesn't, if you buy the wrong one, doesn't really take you any further. What you need is an existing vegetarian to buy you one for a birthday. Mm-hmm. Or in what, it, what I think really changed it for me was one of my wife's yoga instructors mm-hmm. lent us a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything was in there. Yeah. Part of the things I'd sort of been eating down in the south of France, like tabouli, which I hadn't thought of as a meal. I just thought of something you shove on the side yeah. to make your meat dish look more interesting, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's proper meal, mm-hmm. uh, that is naturally vegetarian. Yeah. You don't put meat in tabouli, um, mm-hmm. unless you're doing it wrong. Yes. <laughs> uh, and you know, and you go from there, you go, actually, yeah, you know, actually this you is do other cool. stuff. Yeah. I, 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 uh, and I think the other, the other, I, mean, I, t- I totally got a great, yeah. sorry, a great example of kind of a, a surprising vegetarian thing is, uh, I knew this guy who was, uh, used to be chairman of the London press club mm-hmm. and he, uh, he, he owned a restaurant and hotel in Faversham, and, uh, which is in Kent, where one of the mm-hmm. last remaining uh, uh, breweries, mm-hmm. uh, independent breweries, still there in Faversham, called Shepherd Neem. But anyway, it's another story. But he had this kind of small hotel restaurant, quite posh. And he said, yeah, yeah, we can cook anything. We'll do anything. You must come around sometime. So I mm-hmm. did. At one Christmas, I turned up unannounced because I wanted to test his cook mm-hmm. <laughs> and said, right, okay, we're here. We're, we're going to spend the money. This is not on you. This is on me. We're both vegetarian. Mm-hmm. So it was a kind of restaurant where they don't have a menu. Mm-hmm. They just kind of say, what, what do you want? So we just sat down and said, like, you know, what have you got this vegetarian? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, without, you know, the, 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 the waitress, you know, without batting an eyelid said, um, you know, I'll ask the chef and I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they served us, and it was just essentially he produced this meal out of an onion. Hmm? I can't okay. tell you how he'd done it. It was an onion <laughs> in a filo pastry mm-hmm. with this kind of sauce and other bits mm-hmm. on it, and nuts. And mm-hmm. I just thought, wow, this this you know this was such a, a different mm-hmm. way of tackling food. It wasn't just oh right, it's Christmas time. We're serving everyone the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just take. I'll take the turkey off the plate and then mm-hmm. just give them more, give them more parsnips or something. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't do that. He just produced something, you know, original and different that wasn't meat and two veg. And I just thought, well, yeah, this is someone who really understands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's that's um, one. I think that's something that is happening more and more. But I think it's also something that like separates the really 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 good restaurants like they might not have michelin stars or anything but they're really good restaurants and really good chefs from the like the mediocre ones that they can come up with something amazing that really flavorful and tastes good more or less on the spot um Mm. i had that experience when we went um like in actually in the u.s 
Like I can't, I cannot second what you said about the US because my food experience there has been very different. I think um, we were at the restaurant in Sedona where, like, that we wanted to like do the catering for us. Um, amazing family, uh, like really, really nice. And we were there and like we were doing the tasting, um, just trying to figure out like what could work for us. And we had like most most of the family or most of the guests were like just meat eaters. They preferred meat, to be honest. Um, but we had a couple of vegetarians and I'm like, I'm usually like, <laughs> I'm the type of woman. I'm the type of person, like even as a kid, I like, I mean, I was more the, like, I grew up in Germany. So meat and potatoes or meat and vegetables, like meat and two veg is kind of also a German thing. Um, probably same, like came from the same like roots. Um, but for me always that the vegetables and especially if it was really good and like well prepared were more important than the meat. Like I didn't care about the meat. I was like, yeah, I could skip it. And I usually actually did skip it. Um, so I was very excited to see like what they could, what they could do. And we had one, um, one vegan actually in the group and we had forgotten about that. Like it was our mistake. Like we, it was actually, uh, my sister-in-law. Um, mm -hmm. so we didn't tell the restaurant that like we needed a, like a vegan dish and they on the spot, like the, like it wasn't a big deal for us and we didn't say anything. And she just like, she didn't eat that much. Like she tried a couple of like sides that, that she could eat. Um, and the the owner noticed like she 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 saw that she wasn't eating and she asked and we were like yeah she's actually vegan and like she can't eat any of that and on the spot they came up with a completely fresh dish for her they were like okay don't worry like her husband is, is the chef he's gonna cook something for her and like it was amazing like it was so good that we were like if we had more more vegans and more vegetarians and we knew that it was would be worth it we would just skip like the half of the menu like that we we wanted for the for the wedding and just do this it was so good mm. and it was a yeah. like cauliflower basically it was all cauliflower based but it was really mm. good and and as i said i was more excited about that than about anything else i mean we had really good food like don't get me wrong it was really really good um like we had uh we had pork like pork loin and stuff like that um but i didn't care like i was super excited about the 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 vegetarian and vegan dishes that we had that night yeah something you mentioned about when you were growing up and mm -hmm. uh, the, the culture expectations of having you know sliced ham for breakfast mm -hmm. uh, the first time um i went i ever went snowboarding is i've never skied i've only snowboarded mm -hmm. but the first time i went and i took my you know we all went as a family and my kids were basically mm -hmm. son was a baby and my daughter was only about two or three uh we went to caprun Mm -hmm. And I really kind of spent as much as I could spend, went to what, four or five star kind of small hotel. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember, you know, we sat at a table with a, an English couple mm -hmm. and they said, oh, we're vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And of course, even then, I mean, we weren't veggie at the time. And we were just looking at each other thinking, well, we're in Austria. So when they, they said we're vegetarian, they, they just, they were... Honestly, you could hear the consternation in the kitchen. Yeah, they didn't know they what to no do. They had no idea. Yeah. They had no idea. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they they got served what, you know, what we used to, when I was a student and tried vegetarianism, mm -hmm. and you'd go to the, you go to a canteen mm -hmm. and you say, right, no meat. They just give you a few more boiled potatoes to yep. replace the meat. And you <laughs> end up with this really dull plate of, mm -hmm. of kind of overboiled, yep. slightly salty, but otherwise flavorless um, exactly. veg. Exactly. 
mm-hmm. and that's that's basically what they got for the whole week, whole mm-hmm. of Christmas week. Yeah, poor guy, <laughs> poor, poor people. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's probably yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, the, uh, for a lot of people, as I said, they don't know any better. I think it has changed a little bit. Simply one because vegetarianism has been like has become more of a thing, more acceptable, more people like consider it. We are so part of it is being considerate about it. Um, but I mean, I remember, yeah, I mean, like when I grew up, like 90s, like very few restaurants at all had anything vegetarian on the menu. Like nowadays it is, I think even like, yeah, you might still find a restaurant here or there or like maybe a pub that doesn't have anything um, like vegetarian on the menu. But most, well, most certainly back, back in the eight, back in the eighties, yeah. you had to go to a vegetarian restaurant. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, and it would be run by the equivalent of of hipsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but in those days, we just called them smelly hippies. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, exactly. You know, it would be, but it was you know similar kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, very cold because mm-hmm. they couldn't afford the heating and mm-hmm. uh, sitting on benches and stuff. But yeah, yeah. you'd have to go to a, a yeah. special vegetarian exactly. restaurant. It was really expensive. Yeah. Um, Compared yeah. to anywhere else, uh, but yeah, these days everyone will have a vegetarian option. Mm-hmm. Now it's, I mean, it's great when when you're in London, you, mm-hmm. you're spot for choice. Though I have to say, I'm a bit. You do tend to get off the same three vegetarian options, and mm-hmm. they get boring very very quickly. Yep. <laughs> so uh, the three are the uh, so you get a um, veg, vegetarian, well, basically a, a margarita pizza mm-hmm. is one of the options. Yeah. The mushroom risotto. Yep. Which Classic. is quite nice, but you, yeah. you don't want to eat that seven days a week. Nope. <laughs> uh, and the third one is the veggie burger, which mm-hmm. I'm still convinced is made out of uh, the stuff left at the bottom of the kitchen bin, <laughs> just stuck in a, a, a food mixer and then formed into patties. Very likely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I've just, mm-hmm. oh, God, yeah. I'm just sick of those. But mm-hmm. you come to France, you don't even get that choice. You only get the burgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know you don't pay any less for them, not really. Mm. Which yeah. which always fascinates me is how come serving up a vegetarian meal is the same price rather mm. than half the price? I mean, there, there's, yeah, because they can. <laughs> you know, there, there's no preparation. That there are no no one's going to come in from the council to check that you're maintaining your potatoes properly. <laughs> likely, you know. Uh, you know, no one's going to die from an undercooked carrot. Mm-hmm. You know, so preparing and buying and making vegetarian food is mm-hmm. cheap. So yep. why they don't pass that on, I don't yeah. know. Because they can. Like people people are willing to pay for it. Also, of course, there's the, uh, I think we've talked about this in private before, but the uh, the understanding of what vegetarian is mm-hmm. has also changed because you get those idiots, the pescatarians, mm-hmm. who are convinced that fish don't mind being uh, drowned in air and <laughs> torn apart uh-huh. uh, so they say oh i'm vegetarian but i eat fish mm-hmm. so that confuses everyone especially in france so mm-hmm. the first time uh, my parents-in-law who just moved into a kind of a large building full of other old people mm-hmm. they said oh yeah you can eat in the canteen mm-hmm. so, well no we won't we're, we're vegetarian we're totally going to ruin everything for everybody he said no mm-hmm. and they said oh yes yes we'll, we've told them you're vegetarian they said it was no problem mm-hmm. So we turned up and we're very hungry. So they don't live nearby, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're down by the Spanish border. Mm-hmm. So I went down there and they said, ah, you're the two vegetarians. Yes, yeah, sorry. Said, okay, <laughs> here we go. We've prepared for you the chicken Kiev. Oh. <laughs> so, so we go, oh, we don't eat chicken. Uh. So they went, oh, because for them vegetarian <laughs> means not red meat. Yeah. 
So they said, no, don't worry, don't worry, you can have the fish. Mm-hmm. We, said, no, 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 we don't eat fish either. And they were, so basically they opened up, would you believe they opened up a big tin of green beans? And gave uh, us that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that reminds me of the, um, the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding, where the, the, the in-laws come, uh, like the, the, the in-laws show up at the like, Greek family and everybody, like, everybody's eating meat there. And they're vegetarians. And then the like that comes up. Oh, we don't eat meat. And like there's a big gasp in the family. And then, then yeah. the grandma says, Oh, don't worry, then you'll eat, just eat lamb. Yeah. <laughs> or something yeah. like that. No, like, I experienced <laughs> that just a few years ago. Went to uh, we, we did a summer holiday in Athens. Mm-hmm. And everyone says, Oh, you'll love the food. And mm-hmm. it's true. Greece is famous for its yeah. food. Yeah. If uh, you like meat. But w- <laughs> Yeah, so we turn up and yeah, we had a Greek salad for mm-hmm. lunch mm-hmm. and dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah, I think that's that's still a little bit of a problem. Like I said, I'm like I'm I'm not a vegetarian. Like officially, I like I like meat, but I don't eat it too often. And like I'm actually more veg- like I always say I'm part-time vegetarian. Like I do it like whatever three three weeks a month, and then the last month last week I might eat meat just because, of course I like it then. But usually I'm more excited about the, the everything else. Um, yeah. So no, but I find yeah. in London since there's so much choice, I know plenty. Yeah, that's you know, easy. I've got plenty of friends who, who yeah. say, look, uh, you know, I've I've got to eat kosher, but mm-hmm. that's still a little difficult. It it, uh, yep. it kind of cramps mm-hmm. your style and where you can go. But if mm-hmm. they just say, look, I'm vegetarian, you'll yeah. get a kosher easy. meal, and you can eat just about anywhere in yeah, London that way. Exactly. Uh, it, in France, we're still stuck on that. Is mm-hmm. uh, even that's kind of if you say, well, I can't find anywhere that's strictly kosher. You want mm-hmm. to eat, uh, but. It, there are some vegetarian restaurants. Mm-hmm. The problem is they all make fantastic food, but they're not nice restaurants. Do you follow okay. me? So, uh-huh. you know, you know, mm. the place that's got just the right terrace, that catches <laughs> the sun and the shade mm-hmm. at the right time, that has the right vibe and the nice mm. music and the right temperature, mm-hmm. you know, a restaurant restaurant. <laughs> so it's so not, not the hippie the food. Not the hippie places you just no, <laughs> mentioned before. Indeed. So yeah, no. So I had a celebratory meal for a, for an anniversary mm-hmm. just the other week, and mm-hmm. you know, food was awesome. But mm-hmm. you know, it was in the corner of a chili restaurant that no one else was there, and mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't it wasn't a great restaurant experience. But the food was all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, there are like two things I wanted to ask you about that you mentioned before the show. Uh, one is curries. Like you're you're a fan ah. of ve- like, veg- like vegetarian curries. Um, yeah. Your wife doesn't like it. Like, how come? Uh, so, she, well, uh, <laughs> she doesn't like things that are too hot. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's a kind of a French thing. She's not really, you know, she hasn't spent, I mean, she's, mm-hmm. she lived in London longer than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's, uh, she hasn't got that. But the French don't like very spicy food. Now, they'll beg to differ and they'll say, hey, you know, we've got, you know, Dijon mustard and all this. And you, get, you don't like spicy food. I mean, I'm telling you now, mm-hmm. you just don't touch it. You know, mm-hmm. If you have a you know one of those hot Thai soups, it's you know it's very plain, yeah. Uh, and they don't like curries much, so it could be that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was the other thing we can do is uh, in most cities, if you go on a holiday somewhere, you think vegetarian, find a curry house, yeah. And if you can find a curry house, no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's still plenty of choice, yeah. Um, but uh, being in Leeds. 
Um, it's funny because about because Leeds next to Bradford, it has a large uh, in Indian population, mm -hmm. uh, and it was especially growing in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. So we got a lot of it, you know, Indian restaurants yep. everywhere you could go to, mm -hmm. and. You know, when you're a you know, late teenager and a student, the tradition was you come out of the pub, you go to a fish and chip shop, mm -hmm. or you go to possibly, I was introduced to kebabs, but I've never really into that much. Mm -hmm. But usually it was fish and chip shop or Chinese. Yeah. But when the curry house is open, you go, oh, don't like the Chinese food. Yeah. <laughs> it's so overrated. It overrated. <laughs> Sorry, it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it's just, if you like the flavor of the cooking mm -hmm. grease, you know, Chinese food is great. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> if you don't like it, ah, kebab, mm -hmm. horrible. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, as soon as, you know, you mm -hmm. get takeaway curry and it's like mm -hmm. awesome, absolutely fantastic. Um, so, but because my parents are being that certain age, they would make old people's curry. Mm-hmm. So it would be, it, and it was the same when I was at school. They would serve you a curry, but it was wrong. Mm -hmm. It was like warmed up coronation chicken. So mm -hmm. it was that kind of, yeah. it has mm -hmm. some some cinnamon in it, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. cardamom and, and bits. Uh, mm -hmm. And then they, they put a sprinkling of sultanas in it, you know, mm -hmm. for, you know, for that tropical spice. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. You know, you just go, what that. is this weird stuff? Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, I mean, well, I know curry curry you get in Britain isn't, real curry in nope. the same way you go to pizza hut or something mm -hmm. it's not a proper pizza if you yep. like it you like yeah. it um so i i like uh, mm -hmm. uh britishized mm -hmm. curry well i mean uh, and you can and get it's so easy to make yeah you can get real curry say, it's, it's so easy yeah, yeah it's so, so easy to make like a vegetarian curry mm -hmm. because half of the food is vegetarian yep. as it is yep. and you can completely avoid eating cow meat entirely which is brilliant yeah exactly uh, so if yeah and you know, if you don't want to eat lamb, yeah, it's great. So mm -hmm. uh, there's plenty of choice. So yeah. I'm, I'm down with the curries, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm a big fan of curries, and both the British version and the originals. Like, curry is actually like, if you look at it and like really look what you can find in India, it's a very, very, like, it has so many options. Like, I mean, they are dry. Like, a lot of people think like the typical Brit British curry with like the sauce and like. The, the spice and, and it's hot and all of that and there's usually chicken in it but it's not really the curries you can find in in india like you will find dry curries stuff like that that have plenty of vegetables and, and spices and so on in it and are not hot at all um so it's very very interesting to to figure that out and to to get that and you can i i know in london one of the few places i've been in the uk you can find those but you have to know where to go um, yeah, I mean, there was yeah. when I was uh, called years ago, back in the night, uh, would it be the early 90s? Mm -hmm. I was still living in a in a shared house just on the border between Clapham and Ballam in mm -hmm. South London. Uh, and this new restaurant opened, and it was all oh, I can't remember the cuisine, but it was essentially Pakistani. Mm -hmm. And they'd um, and it was very posh, you know, and they had a door attendant with a huge hat with flat mm -hmm. mm -hmm. plumes in it and all sorts. Mm -hmm. Uh, and what they actually served you was very small, very, very small dishes. Normally, uh, you know, a Brit goes to a curry house mm -hmm. and you expect huge piles of everything, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and they served you very small, but it was such, such high quality. Yeah. It was just amazing. Uh, just very expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I said, like, uh, curries are, yeah, that's that's maybe maybe also something for your wife, like, to, to <laughs> maybe get her interested in curries by just, showing the like because like it doesn't have to be hot it doesn't have to oh, have yeah, the sauce just, and it doesn't have uh, to yeah. be hot 
No, but it can turn very quickly if you put too much, um, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it, green pepper in that you've just chopped up or something. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, I've just put that tiny bit too much in. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you test how much you put in? Do you rub your eye? That's okay, <laughs> yeah, all right. Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, what? Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> so, it's sad. Yeah, that's it's, probably uh, me. Yeah, for sure. As I said, like for, for a lot of people, curry is like it has to be hot. It has to have the sauce and all of it. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm not madly into mm-hmm. hot, hot curries. Mm-hmm. So another thing I did do years ago was um, I went, for, I went, had a, I got invited by, well, uh, a mutual friend that you know, uh, Steve, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go and have a Balti over uh, when I was in Birmingham. Oh, mm-hmm. blimey, it's more than 10 years ago now. And it was my first experience of Balti. I've had them since, obviously, down Brick Lane. Uh, but Basically, it was just a huge vat of food, and they saved us, gave us what they called table naan. I'd never experienced a table naan, mm-hmm. so it's naan bread the size of a table. Wow. Okay. So it didn't get any place. It was just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in those days, before uh, the world went nuts, uh, they just said to us, um, if you want to, you know, if you want wine or beer, there's an off license next door. Mm-hmm. Get down now. Yeah. Buy yourself whatever you want, bring it in, mm-hmm. and your meal will be ready when you come back. And mm-hmm. that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that and, was oh, yeah, yeah. that was that was oh that company yeah. they made us at Balti in, mm-hmm. in Birmingham is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was there was something I found in London actually. Like I I like to stay like I it's one of my favorite cities in the world, but I like to stay more in the like in the areas where people live. Like not at the touristy spot. Like I, I like to go like uh, whatever. I was I've been in Vauxhall. I've been like all over the place. Um, there's actually in yeah the Vauxhall area. There's like a teeny tiny restaurant. It was a delivery service originally <laughs> uh, called uh, We Love Hot Stuff. Uh, they've been around for forever. And I like the, the thing there was the best food. Like I, I went there once to like the restaurant side. Usually I would just pick up. Um, and I the chef just asked like, should we just bring you whatever you want? And I was like, oh, hell yes, absolutely. Like if I get asked that, I mean, yes. And that was amazing food, and it wasn't hot, and it wasn't like it, it wasn't what people would consider curry. It was just mm. good Indian food, and it's run by an Indian like family. Um, I think the mom died like a couple of years ago, but the the like the sons picked it up. Um, it is just good good food, and it was like in a little side street somewhere. Like nobody would ever go there. Like it, it literally was like one of the like back alleys somewhere that like no tourist would ever go there. Um, but I found it because I was just walking around um, and I was mm. like, Hey, this looks cool. Let's, let's order something. So be nice, a place where you can go and trust someone to bring you something mm-hmm. you'd like. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, you know, I kind of dissed my middle brother somewhat because mm-hmm. I didn't finish off the story. He, mm-hmm. he came and uh, discovered good food and fine cooking and mm-hmm. international cuisine. Uh, while he was studying to be a barrister. Mm-hmm. So he's excellent company if you want to go for proper Chinese or mm-hmm. Thai food because he's one of those – I know some people find it annoying, but I find it endearing where he'll say, I don't want to see the menu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's what I want to eat. And he'll just <laughs> he'll order what he wants to eat. Oh, and if okay. it's the right kind of restaurant and it's Cantonese, or for mm-hmm. example, he'll be able to order it in, mm-hmm. in proper – using the proper word, uh, mm-hmm. language, as it were. but uh, And then you can trust him to order something good. And they know mm-hmm. what, you you know, they'll make what he asks for mm-hmm. and you eat it and it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that is always <laughs> a treat. I haven't mm-hmm. done that for so long. But yeah, yeah just <laughs> maybe that. after Corona, you should do that again. 
since we've moved away from curry for a second, mm -hmm. I, I have to get this in because we should be talking proper flashback. But um, some people do ask, you know, what do you miss mm -hmm. when you've gone vegetarian? And of course, over the years, you miss stuff less and less. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing I still do miss is in uh, not too far from where we used to live in Leeds. Uh, so we used to live not too far from Leeds Bradford Airport. Mm -hmm. And right by Leeds Bradford Airport, there is a fish and chip house mm -hmm. uh, called Murgatroyd's. Murgatroyd is a very typical uh, kind of Yorkshire name. It's sort of part Yorkshire, part Viking. <laughs> so there are lots of strange Viking-type names in Yorkshire because the Vikings mm -hmm. invaded the north of Britain and ran... Yep north of england for 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 yonks mm -hmm. uh and anyway oh, that's another story uh but they made the best the best fish and chips mm -hmm. ever fish chip fish and chips and mushy peas murgatroids mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh now people when you talk about yorkshire and fish and chips they will immediately think of there's a, a famous group of restaurants called harry ramsden's mm-hmm so they, they, for many years, had what they called the biggest fish and chip shop in the world, which is an easy feat to do because typically a fish and chip shop is a kiosk yep. with nowhere to sit. <laughs> yep. So to actually have the biggest fish and chip shop in the mm -hmm. world means you've got a room with more than 10 tables. Mm -hmm. um, so if we did eat out, I have to say, if my parents said, oh, we're going to eat out, mm -hmm. in a, you know, invariably we'd go and have fish and chips somewhere in Leeds. Uh, but this place, when it opened up by Leeds Bradford Airport in, in an area called Yeadon, um, Murgatroyd's, I just every mm -hmm. time I've been there, it's just been, you know, fantastic, mm -hmm. huge cod. <laughs> the fact that they still serve cod, I think, mm -hmm. is amazing. Oh, just brilliant, and oh, just really well done and stuffed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're already halfway through. Just mm -hmm. really, really good fish mm -hmm. and never a bone, not a single bone ever. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. that's the one Great thing I miss. Fish and chips, but mm -hmm. only fish and chips. Only that. At Murgatroyd's <laughs> in Eden. Yeah. The, I, I've never, I, I, I was just thinking about it. I'm not even sure I've ever had fish and chips in the UK. I've had it in, okay, in well, the US once. Yeah. But well, the I've, proper way of doing it, it's supposed to be in batter rather than mm -hmm. breadcrumbs. Yeah. So it has to be a large hunk of cod or haddock. Mm -hmm. You can get place, but that's mm -hmm. um, but because it's too thin to to put yeah. in batter. But it so it has to be battered. So the batter is really really important. Mm -hmm. um, and given that it's deep fried, it, yeah. it's got to be drained just right. Otherwise, it's soggy. Because yeah. it's served with chips, the chips have to be as dry as possible. Otherwise, it's soggy. Exactly. And it yeah. has to be served with mushy peas. Mm -hmm. So. Not peas. No, mushy peas. <laughs> mushy peas. Yeah. So that's, that's something I used to try and make myself, is you mm -hmm. get the right marifat peas and add, heat them up and add mm -hmm. salt so the skins burst and mm -hmm. just mash them a bit. But yeah, perfect mushy peas. <laughs> those three things. If you don't have those mm -hmm. three things, mm -hmm. it's not really fish and chips. I suppose is you it? could squeeze a lemon on, but oh, yeah. Yeah, a bit, bit of affectation there. Right? <laughs> maybe. Okay. So, and it's always, sorry, it's always served with some <laughs> some buttered bread. I've never understood why. So literally, you know, mm, big fluffy weird. white loaf, mm -hmm. sliced loaf. Mm -hmm. So you don't get like baguette or anything. It's a yeah. sliced loaf. And each slice would be cut in half. So you get a couple of slices cut in half. So you've got four rounds and mm -hmm. it would be buttered. That's weird. Like, <laughs> why? What am I supposed to do with yeah, that? You exactly. know, kind of 
but buff my shoes with them or what? I mean, it's just so weird <laughs> thing idea. to be given. A plate, a plate full of stodge with fish in it, mm-hmm. and then a side plate of even more stodge. Mm, that's weird. <laughs> stuff some chips in and have a mm. butty with it. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, or maybe. a butty is what <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, last final question, uh, because I forgot to ask it at the beginning. Usually I ask at the Ooh. beginning. Um, like... What's your definition of a foodie and do you consider yourself one? Okay, I don't consider myself one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a foodie is someone who's kind of feels that they're very imaginative when it comes to cooking and mm-hmm. considers it some sort of skill. Mm-hmm. And that's not you? Uh, no, I, I cook stuff and eat it. <laughs> you sound is. I'm not so sure. You sound yeah. very imaginative when it comes to cooking. Uh, it's mostly following recipes. That's yeah. It. Okay. How do you like? Maybe maybe it wasn't the last question. Do you follow recipes like to the letter, or is it more like experimental? Like, oh, I don't think anyone can follow them to the letter. There's always mm-hmm. something missing, isn't there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Originally, I had cookbooks, uh, mm-hmm. so I still got a couple of those. Got rid of them when we moved mm-hmm. to France. And since then, I just, um, whenever I see a, an interesting recipe, I just add it to Evernote and then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll get around to trying it later. Yeah. Uh, and if if it turns out well, I give it a little star and I might make it again maybe mm-hmm. six months later. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, mm-hmm. but I've got to cook something different each day. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- what I found was actually at one time when I said, oh, yeah, I really want to make curries. And my wife was, oh, yeah. Great, mm-hmm. let's do curries. And she got me a, a book by Maddo Jaffrey. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, wow, okay. So I'll get to a recipe. Oh, that looks interesting. Uh, look at the list of ingredients. And it went over the whole page. Mm-hmm. Just this huge <laughs> list of ingredients. Yeah. I thought, oh, I'm going to be here forever. Oh, let's try another recipe. Turn the page. It was <laughs> same the thing. same list of ingredients, yep. but the second half of it. And it went on for another <laughs> full page. I thought, I yeah. can't be doing this. Yeah. So I asked a friend I was working at at the time when I was still uh, doing training at um, mm-hmm. Daily Mail, so a Sri Lankan friend there, and he says, "I oh, just get some curry powder. <laughs> so that's what we do. You know, cook what you're going to cook and just put in some, you know, some uh-huh. spoonfuls of curry powder. It'll end up the same. So I, yeah. I do tend to cheat a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the thing with uh, curries, especially. Like I like doing them, but you need like five, ten, at least ten different spices. Not even counting salt and anything, like just just the spices. Here's how I'm not a foodie. All my herbs and spices are dried and in little jars. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not normally the kind of person to go, ooh, I must buy some fresh mint Mm -hmm. and go skipping out like, uh, you know, panoramics (laughs) from uh, the Asterix uh, books going with Mm -hmm. my sickle and having to find wild wild cardamom pots or something (laughs) like that. That sounds amazing. No, don't do that. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. It was actually very, very interesting. Uh, we haven't even talked about half of the things I, I thought I would talk about, like the whole oh. moving to France and so on. We talked a little bit oh. about France, but not nah, too much. Boring. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to come back to that in the future. Uh, but thank you so much for doing this. Um, where can people find you? Your I know you're writing, especially. Okay, yeah. So I am an IT journalist, but with the uh, the, the uh, pandemic going on, mm-hmm. a lot of my commissions were frozen, uh, so they're not easy to find. So what I've done is I've just started up a, a little blog, which is called Autosave is for Wimps, mm-hmm. uh, and that's over at Substack. So Substack. So it's Autosave is for Wimps. Dot Substack. Yeah. 
www.thinkandgrow.com. So I write a column there every Friday lunchtime, mainly aimed at people who work in IT, mm-hmm. IT support, any IT management position. Mm-hmm. And it's like not supposed to be serious. <laughs> nope. It is super funny. I, I really enjoyed Like I I think I've listened, I've only read last week's and this week. I don't remember. But like well, I've, I've, I've not too many every week. Yeah. I've been writing it every week for eight years on mm-hmm. the uh, at the register, but that they're kind of um they've had to freeze a lot of commissions. Mm. And I thought, ah, it's going to waste. I'll just I'll mm-hmm. give it out. It for is free. super it is super funny. Like I really enjoyed it. Oh thank you. <laughs> And are you on social media at all, anywhere? Well, yes, uh, over on Twitter, I'm Ali Dabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other social media I tend to use are for friends and family, so I don't give that out. Mm, that's absolutely... Oh, I'm on LinkedIn, but no one goes there anymore. Anyway. <laughs> oh. Well, maybe if they want to hire you for a writing gig of some sort, they could go to LinkedIn. <laughs> or just yeah, if they really reach out to you. <laughs> inspira- if they're looking for inspirational quotes from mm-hmm. me on LinkedIn, they're not mm-hmm. going to get them. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, they can just reach out to you on Twitter. <laughs> okay, um, yes, that concludes this episode. You can find this episode and all the other amazing episodes, all 13 or including this one, 14 of them on uh, at foodieflashback.com. Uh, also at foodieflashback on Twitter. I think there's a Facebook page, but I honestly forgot about that because who uses Facebook anymore? <laughs> um, if you're interested in also being a guest on the show and talking about your experience with, I don't know, curries and vegetarianism and I don't know, <laughs> fish and chips. I don't know what you want to talk about. Uh, you can reach out to me um, either on Twitter at foodie flashback, or there's a little forum on foodieflashback.com that you can fill out and then I'll be in touch and we'll set something up. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>